You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Big guest coming to you today. You all know him. All right, Dylan Jackson. He has been a mainstay in the Hornets Twitter uh, community for years now. Um, I would like to refer uh, to both of us as the long-haired Hornets fans. Uh, I'm currently, I got mine up in a man bun. So, you know, Dylan's not able to see, uh, you know, all of my flowing locks and all the things, but he is looking glorious. His mane is in full just basking in the sun it's nighttime we're completely recording this at night but that's who we are i'm i I know that you guys can't see us we haven't gone youtube yet we're gonna delve into that this summer but first dylan how you doing man i'm doing great i'm uh ready to talk some hoops talk some hornets yeah well let's jump right into this thing then you know scoot brandon miller it cannot be talked about enough. Nobody's talking about it, really, honestly. Let's just be honest. Okay. We're going to be getting into a little bit more of that. Um, we're also, in case some of these players are taken, whether it's Scoot, whether it's Brandon Miller, who's going to be the odd man out of the rotation? Who are going to be the Hornets that all of a sudden, they're not going to be in that rotation. They're not going to make the the Steve Clifford's you know, nine-man rotation, maybe even 10 when he delves into that a little bit. Uh, and then what should the Hornets do later on in the draft? Should they select? Should they package? Should they trade for a player? All of those things. We're going to be getting into those conversations later on in this episode. But first, Dylan, I want to throw this question at you. Okay. Is there a player or package that you would trade the number two pick for? I've thought about this question a lot, really. And in terms of like individual players, I've seen a lot of names thrown around. You know, we were talking before this episode, like a few a few of the names that I've seen personally thrown have been like Jalen Brown, like Pascal Siakam. And a lot of those players, specifically those that aren't on a rookie contract, I think is harder to to justify sending away the second overall pick for a player like that, right? Especially, you know, for a small market team where the amount of roster control you get over these rookie contracts is probably one of the most valuable aspects of them. So I think like if the Hornets aren't as interested in Scoot or Brandon Miller as maybe we think they are, maybe they like a guy like a man or a Sora Thompson. I think the the main package that I've gravitated to, and I'm not even saying that I would necessarily take this, but I think it makes sense from the Hornets perspective is, you know, if the Rockets want to move up, right. And they, like a guy like Scoot Henderson and they're willing to throw you like the fourth overall pick. And let's say like Jabari Smith, right? Jabari Smith was a top three pick last year, three and D forward, extremely valuable defender. And you add in the fourth pick on top of that. Now I'm not saying that either of those assets are as valuable as a guy like Scoot Henderson or even like Brandon Miller. But if they do like an Iman Thompson, at, at two overall, and they don't think that, you know, the third pick is going to take him. I think that there's an opportunity to move down to the fourth spot and pick up another player like Jabari Smith. 
I mean, that would be massive. And that's also kind of fitting in that, um, almost like that Brandon Miller, you know, archetype player who, you know, can put it on the floor a little, can shoot it a little, um, tall, you know, lengthy, you know, plus defender. That would almost fit that same, you know, idea of what many people have in Brandon Miller. Now, I'm not saying that they're identical players and that nothing like that, but you would get a lot of the same pluses out of a Jabari Smith as many people are hopefully, you know, looking for in Brandon Miller as well. And so that would be extremely interesting. Uh, you know, Pascal Siakam is my favorite, is one of my favorite players in the league. I think that he has a lot of versatility. I think that he offers, uh, you know, teams, you know, being able to, you know, go smaller at the five. I know PJ has played fairly well whenever the Hornets have gone small at the five, but then also Siakam isn't the, the Raptors haven't had a ton of success when he is at the five. They've been trying to find their center for quite some time now. They tried the whole, you know, uh, they finally got, um, who was it? The guy from the Spurs. Hodel? Yeah, Jakob. Um, and so finally landed him. They were they were looking. They, they kept going like tall, skinny, tall, skinny. Like they can never find a beefy dude. They needed a beefy dude. They finally got him, but... Like you said, um, Siakam just with the new CBA as well and how it is rewarding teams who draft rookies and then being able to hold on to them throughout their career extension-wise because in the new CBA, it's looking like teams who trade for players are going to have a harder time of retaining them for a second contract once that first contract is over. And so I agree there. Um, the Rockets look like a like a spot. Maybe the Jazz, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like the Jazz would be interested that they just really are looking for, you know, that guard to come in and, uh, you know, replace Donovan Mitchell, be the guy who, you know, runs the show. There's been some, you know, it sounds like the Jazz would be a good spot right there ultimately though what are you doing are, are are you moving off of the number two pick or are you selecting when you have the talent at the top of this draft i think that it's very hard to, to pass on selecting one of those two guys i think that the top three of this draft we could we're going to talk about scoot we're going to talk about miller but i think the top three in general like just to put it in perspective there's like i would take both scoot and Miller first overall in last year's draft. And even if we kick it back to like 2020, the LaMelo ball, like Anthony Edwards draft, I would, you know, probably do the same thing there. And that's, you know, LaMelo ball wasn't considered like the ultimate prospect at the time. It was considered kind of a weaker draft when it's had the third pick. So I, I really do like both, you know, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. And I would, I would definitely make the selection between those two players. All right, Dylan, who you who do you have at number two? Are you taking Scoot or are you taking Brandon Miller? The the first thing that I kind of want to say here before before I say who I'm actually going to take is I, I kind of want to build up Brandon Miller a little bit. I think a lot of the discourse, especially on on Hornets 
Twitter on Hornets podcast that I've listened to, a lot of it has been, you know, about Scoot being the guy and, and, you know, that's been no, no disrespect to Brandon Miller, but I kind of want to build him up a little bit because I think he's being a little bit discounted as a prospect, right? Like, I think that there's, there's legitimate upside there. Like it's, it's very, very rare where you get a six, nine wing, somebody that can play two, three, four, who is as skilled offensively as Brandon Miller. Like everybody knows the shooting, right? 40% on volume free throw percentage is also great at Alabama. One of the best, you know, programs in one of the best conferences in basketball, you know, the rim finishing is a concern, right? That's, that's the biggest thing with Brandon Miller is, is how he's going to be able to score at the rim because he doesn't necessarily have the, you know, the elite athleticism, elite first step. But when you look at how he wins, you know, it's not necessarily with that athleticism. It's because he's so skilled, right? He can go both ways. Like he can, he loves finishing with his left hand. He's extremely crafty, creative. I really buy into him as a pick and roll ball handler. Like I think that's where some of his best possessions came from is his ability to pass the ball out of those sets and, and find, you know, find the open man. He's not only like, a good passer, but I think he's a great passer. I think that, you know, not only is he proactive in in finding guys, but I think he's also accurate. He can make passes with both hands. You know, I think he's going to be able to run some offensive sets, probably not somebody who you want to run your offense through. But I like to compare him to, you know, maybe not like a Indiana Pacers, Paul George, not, like not somebody that wins with their athleticism. But if you look at how Paul George is able to win right now on the basketball court with his skill, with his shooting, his passing creativity, I think that's the type of offensive skill set that Brandon Miller is going to bring to an NBA team. But answer to answer your question, though, I was just about to say, like, yeah, you said you was going to pump him up. You was going to beef him up a little bit. Let everybody know just exactly what you think about Brandon Miller. Now is the time. Now that you have said all of the, you know, beautiful things about Brandon Miller is a Scooter B. Mill. To be clear, they're both elite prospects, but Scoot Henderson, I think, is on another level, right? Like, I I think he's going to be, you know, despite being younger, despite being a guard, despite having a smaller frame, I think he's still going to be more NBA ready than a guy like Brandon Miller because of his rim pressure, because of his athleticism. His his frame is unreal. Like he's already built. His parents owned a gym, right? Like he's he's stacked already. He's already got an NBA frame. He's going to be able to finish through contact. You know, when we watched a guy like Lonzo Ball back in his rookie year, he really struggled to finish through contact his rookie year. And it really prevented him from kind of taking a step early on in his career. And that's just not the case with, with a guy like Scoot Henderson because he's able to like move bigs off of his spot right? The passing is really great. He's been going up against professional level competition. I think that all of those things considered, and then you just take a look at how the people who have been around him speak about his character, speak about his motivation. Like there, nobody that I've seen has had a bad thing to say about Scoot Henderson's character, who he is as a person, what motivates him. And I think the general consensus is that he's going to end up becoming the best player, the best version of himself. 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, the body on Scoot Henderson, everybody keeps talking about his height. He has a 6'9 wingspan. He is long. Like, like that, that doesn't happen. You don't have six foot two guys with a six nine wingspan. His length is going to be able to make up for, I guess, his vertical deficiencies. Um, his athleticism, once again, that's going to make up for any of his height, you know, worries that teams may have, that fans may have, that people may have just in general. And then you have that mindset that you talked about that mentality, the way he approaches the game, every person that you hear mention scoot talks about his mentality and how he is ready to be a leader. Uh, he's already been pre- uh, playing against grown men. I know there's some people that believe that the G league is the second best league in the world. There are people out there who say that now, I don't know if I quite subscribe to that. I think that there's some really good leagues uh, in Europe, uh, but there are a lot of there are grown men in the G League at the end of the day, and so Scoot has had two full seasons. Now I know that he missed some time this this past season. He's basically pegged in as a top three pick. Uh, you know, G League is developmental. They're not really trying to win championships in the in the in the G League that's not really what they're trying to do they're trying to develop their players the best that they can and so he's had you know roughly two seasons playing against grown men and that I I think you have to go with him I I I agree I've said it on previous episodes I'll say it again Uh, I like Brandon Miller I just love Scoot Henderson at the end of the day. I think that's the difference. I like Brandon Miller, but I love Scoot Henderson. Um, If Scoot, I want to piggyback off of that. If Scoot is the selection for the Hornets, who are the odd men out in the rotation in Charlotte? I think right now it's, it's pretty clear cut. You know, you'd have likely a three guard rotation between LaMelo, Terry, and, and Scoot Henderson, right? Like we, we don't know who would be necessarily starting. It would probably ter- be Terry initially. And I think the the lineups between Terry and Scoot work a lot. I think the lineups between Scoot and LaMelo work well, right? And obviously we've seen LaMelo and, and Terry, you know, work in the past before, but you've probably got some Cody Martin minutes there at the two, uh, but he's most likely going to get most of his work at the, at the three small forward, right? But I think if you're looking at, you know, who who's out it's it's James book night right like what has he shown the past two years that warrants him being in the rotation above these guys I know there's some potential with him there somewhere but at this point like it's it's he's probably due for a fresh start somewhere else yeah I mean he's he's the easy cut there um Charlotte Hornets select Scoot Henderson. It's over for James Booknight in Charlotte. Um, and I mean, I guess there's a lot of people that could say, well, you trade Terry, you try to get, you know, he's your best uh tradable asset that you're that you're willing to trade, that you're willing to part with, that can really garner back some, you know, plus assets. And maybe there's a spot for James Booknight at that point. But if you have a if you have a healthy Cody Martin. 
he's sliding in, he's taking those minutes. Um, and then <laughs> it really just depends on what else the Hornets do. If they bring back a Kelly Oubre, Kelly Oubre in some spots could play the two for the Hornets. Um, generally he's been a three with as many injuries. He was kind of the, you know, Gordon Hayward insurance, if you will. Uh, but if you have a healthy Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre is giving you good minutes, we saw that he really took to Cliff and his style of play and really, you know, embracing the team and becoming, you know, a leader on a bad team. Yes, but nonetheless, a leader. And so if the Hornets do choose to keep a Kelly Oubre around, I don't think that they will. Uh, but if they do, um, I think that he could log some of those uh you know, shooting guard minutes as well. And then that just continues to push James Booknight out. And it's just the writing's on the wall, right? I think the the biggest thing with Kelly and even Dennis Smith Jr. to an extent is what's what's the dollar value going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because if Kelly's going to want, you know, more than like, say, the MLE, it's probably not going to happen in Charlotte, right? I mean, there, there's, first of all, there's, probably not enough roster spots to go around. And you're looking at a team who once they resign PJ Washington, assuming that happens, once they look at like a miles bridges contract, once that happens, if you, if you look at the roster breakdown and, and a LaMelo ball extension, you're probably right up against the tax. Yeah. I mean, at this point, and that I'm glad you said what you said about roster spots, Like, that's another thing. There has to be some condensing of the roster at some point. There's just not enough. The Hornets have tons of picks coming up. We're going to get into that in just a moment, of course. They have tons of picks in this draft. They have tons of guys on their rookie deals that they're still trying to figure out. Your JT Thors, who were getting some good minutes at the end of the season. Kai Jones, of course. James Booknight. Nick Richards just got his extension. He seems to be, you know, at least a piece in the near future in Charlotte, or at least a a good trade piece if they decide to go that route as well. Mark Williams, of course, LaMelo's deal coming up. So you have, you just have a lot of decisions that have to be made soon. P.J. Washington, of course. And so the roster spots are so critical because people are like, yeah, I want Kelly back. Yeah, I want Dennis Smith Jr. back. And it's like, guys, if we're about to add a top, Two draft pick in this draft, that's he's definitely going to be there. He's going to be a higher priority than Kelly Oubre. No matter how much you love Kelly, he's immediately higher priority. Higher priority than uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Higher priority than all of those guys, maybe other than LaMelo Ball. And that's what you're looking at. And so there's just not enough roster spots to go around. Uh, it'll be interesting. We'll probably know draft night, depending upon how many guys the Hornets take, what they decide to do, if they tra- decide to you know, trade, package, whatever they do. We'll probably get a good sense of if these guys are going to return or not, which leads me to the Charlotte Hornets do have four additional picks other than the number two overall selection in the 2023 NBA draft. And so they pick at 27 late in the first, they pick at 34, which is their own second that they acquired in the uh, Jalen McDaniels trade with the 76ers. And then they have two additional uh, second round picks, I believe 39 and 42, 
It's before you get to pick 45. So they have five picks before you get to 45. Four if you take two and you're just looking at the rest of the draft. Dylan, what should the Charlotte Hornets do? Is there a prospect that you really like at the end of the first, maybe even in the 20s that you could see the Hornets trading up for? Do you like see a player out there that makes sense roster-wise, fit, money, all of the things that maybe you could just throw a bunch of picks together, ship them out to another team? What you got going on for the Hornets late in the first, early in the second? I think the the first thing that I want to say is like if they have the opportunity to get like a lottery protected first round pick in exchange for this 27th overall selection, if you look at the the draft picks that they're able to trade in the future because of the the Kai Jones trade, right? They're not able to trade a first round pick until 2027. Yep. So, if you look at just asset management, I think if you if you think you can get a lottery protected first round pick, maybe even top 20 protected for that 27th overall pick, I think it's something you have to consider because that'll give you an actual tradable asset in the near future that you could use to to upgrade the roster at maybe the trade deadline if you think that you have a, a roster capable of maybe doing something in the playoffs, right? But there's also, you know, a few other options, right? I don't know how realistic a trade up would be, especially in that 2023 range, because all of those teams have multiple first round picks already, but there's, there's also some other options as well. Like the new CBA, they added a third two-way slot, right? So there's, there's another roster spot who you could use with, you know, one of those second round picks. And then they also have the option of stashing these players in Europe, right? So if they take one of these international guys, who's probably not ready, like most late first round picks to contribute, they can, you know, stash, stash them in Europe. And that would also give them a tradable asset, um, just overseas. And there is there's a chance that that player would never come over. But, you know, the the opportunity to to have a tradable asset that, you know, is not on your team, whether it's a first round pick or an international player, I think is appealing when you don't have a tradable first round pick until 2027. Yeah, it. <laughs> That's another kicker with the Kai Jones deal um, that just, man, that 2021 draft. Um, a lot of people don't look at that that trade for Kai Jones and realize just how much, like with every passing year, the first that's going to end up translating is it just, it keeps being shifted. Another another season, another year. Every time that the Hornets, because the Hornets protected it within the lottery for multiple years. And so the protections go down. And so the fact that Kai Jones, and we, we knew he was go- going to be a project. We I mean, that it is what it is. But I think even if you got if you cornered Mitch in a room and you're like, hey, were you hoping that maybe Kai Jones was a little bit more ready than what he's shown? He would say yes. I mean, who who wouldn't at that point, right? But it has handicapped and strapped the Hornets as far as being able to trade those firsts. But what you're going to have on draft night, if that happens, if the Hornets trade, if there's a player at the end of the first that just people have fallen in love with, right? There will be. There will be for sure. There there's always is, right? There's going to be some guy that all of Hornets Twitter, they're falling. They're like, this is who we want. This is who we want. And then – when it's announced that the Hornets have traded that pick for a future first and are just kicking it down the road. And then there was like, uh, you know, 
I don't think he's going to fall, but like a Gigi Jackson that people just are really liking. And uh, he's not, he's not, it's not going to happen, but that's just one that I know a lot of people would just really get behind. They'd be like, Oh man, he's there. And then Horn's like, nah, it's okay. We're going to move that. (laughs) We're going to move that pick. You're going to see, you know, the torches are going to be lit. There's going to be marches on Spectrum Center. There's going to be people picketing the next day uh, just because of what took place last, you know, NBA draft with the Jalen Duran trade. Um, I, I but, think, you know, if you get this team that has four four picks in that range and they pass on Amani Bates four times, you oh. will never hear the end of it. Never. And I, that that's coming from somebody that, I don't really think that's a player that NBA team should consider drafting because, you know, his, his role is basically tough shot maker. And if you're entrusting a, a second round pick, who's he's like a, you know, six, nine player who's 180, which is not good. Uh, you're, you're entrusting an archetype like that to make tough shots. And that's like his only role. He's not going to be playable. No, I want nothing to do with Imani Bates and I, I he's, he's becoming that second round darling for so many. And I think you're right. When the Hornets aren't going to pick with all four of those picks late in the first and early in the second, but if in some, you know, alternate universe that does occur. And like you said, the Hornets pass on him all four times and he's still on the board. Oh my gosh. It's going to, it's going to be a poo-poo show. That's what I mean. That's just it. I I don't know what else to say about it. It's you're never going to hear the end. You are correct. You are absolutely correct. I do think we'll get a a Mitch Kupchak special where he trades like whether it's 34 or 39 for two future second round picks. I think that's probably more than than guaranteed at this point that at least one of those picks is moved for two future seconds because if you look at like the breakdown of future assets that we have. We're pretty low on second rounders as well. So I think that he'll he'll move those second round picks. And I want to add here that second round picks this year might be a little bit more valuable than in years past because of the new collective bargaining agreement that adds the um the the second level of like tax implications where it basically incentivizes teams to you know draft these these guys in the second round right to have these these lower level contracts so i think teams are going to emphasize you know having one or two second round picks this year whereas last year you know it's basically a throwaway pick right i think we're going to have that because of you know like the the rules against trading first round picks the rules that they added for like large markets over a certain you know salary threshold i think that that's a strong possibility that you know, maybe the trade value of these second round picks is a little bit higher than maybe what we expect. Yeah, and it, I believe that Mitch and the scouting department, you know, for the Hornets, I believe that they really liked this draft, and that was one reason why they were so keen on, you know, accruing these picks and these selections, even trading away the lottery pick last season you know, or during the 2022 NBA draft, Jalen Duran, infamous trade, you know, we've heard all of the takes on it. And it was because I think 
that the Charlotte Hornets organization really liked this draft. And so if the Hornets didn't land where they wanted to, they could have multiple picks to where they could use to trade up in order to get a player that they loved. Now that the Hornets have landed number two overall and they're going to get a guy that they do love, they don't have to do that. Like say the Hornets had landed eighth or 10th or whatever the case may be. I, it's in it's of my opinion that was one of the reasons why Mitch was another reason why he wanted to trade Jalen McDaniels. He he said, you know what, this guy's not going to be a part of our future team. Let's get what we can. Let's try to get a a, a top asset in the draft. That way we can maybe even package that in order to move up earlier into the first round to get one of the guys that we really like. Now that that all, took care of itself, as you stated. You have all these this plethora of picks to work with, and you could see this organization just just pushing it back a year, pushing it back two years, three years, whatever the case may be, because there's just so many that and and the roster spots aren't there. You do get the additional with the three uh, with the third uh, two way contract, like you stated, but I think that this could be yeah. I mean, Mitch is going to get deep in his draft bag. He's great in the second round. So be excited. The the Hornets are going to get a stud, all right, in the 30s. You can you can bank on or in the 20s. If if he can find a suitor where he says, hey, I'm taking 27 and 34, and we're going to move up to, I don't know, 19. I don't think that'll happen. You probably have to attach something else too. But you know, 22, 23, somewhere in there, I think he's going to get somebody that we really that he likes. That's going to be a really good player uh, and have a, you know, a plus future in the NBA. And there's a few guys that I think could be could be really good. In that yeah. Area. Hey, name off some of those guys. That's what we that's what we're here for. Yeah. I want to start with uh, Bilal Koulibaly, the French Whoa. wing. He, he played with with um, played with Victor Wembanyama, Right. You know, he obviously wasn't as necessarily you know, striking as, as a guy like that, obviously, because you've got like a generational prospect compared to a, a mid first round pick. Right. But you know, what he gives you is just unreal feel for the game. His, his half court offense is a little underdeveloped, right. But he's, he's a great athlete. You know, as his interior scoring is really good. His transition scoring is good. Right. Just a freak athlete, his on and off ball defense, like, it's to the point where you could envision him being like, you know, if, if he reaches his ceiling, you can envision a guy like Koulibaly being like a, an all defense wing. Right. And at the end of the day, it might not matter if he doesn't develop some semblance of a, of a jump shot, which is what you would hope with a guy like that. But not only is he like very talented, but I mean, like I said earlier, if you select him, he's the type of guy where, you could keep him in Europe for a year or two years and just let him develop while not taking up a roster spot. You know, if you draft him, he's a guy who, you know, you could trade in the future if, you know, if he gets that value, if there's not a spot for him on your team. I think that he makes way too much sense for the Hornets. And I'm not sure that they'll be in a position to get him, right? They pick at 27. He's projected early 20s, late teens right? Maybe they trade up to get him. Maybe the teams aren't interested in that trade, but there's also a shot that, you know, there's probably like a 30% chance that he's there at 27. So I really like him. He's probably my favorite at 27 at the moment. 
Yeah, I love Koulibaly. I would love to, you know, bring him to Charlotte. He, he's one of those guys that I've seen on a lot of mockers, like you said, late teens, early 20s. He could be in that range to where maybe the Hornets can trade up, but do you have any trade partners? Takes two to tango. Uh, I would love to get Koulibaly in Charlotte. Is there another guy or two that you really like, uh, you know, in that 20 range? I'll, I'll give you a few, and then I'll give you one more that I dislike, right? So I like Julian Strother from Gonzaga. I think he's going to be a wing in the NBA who could make off-balance shots. You know, he's going to be a really nice offensive weapon. Ideally, he's going to develop into like a sixth man type who, you know, you can give 25 minutes a game. He can come in, shoot some threes, you know, be a nice cutter, get to the bucket. I'm not sure how good he's going to be defensively, but I think that he's an option to where you can envision like a role for him. And when when you're picking like late in this first round, I like to look at guys where you can see what their role is going to be at the NBA level, right? You can see how they're going to in fact impact winning for your basketball team. And he's he's one of the guys that I think is I think he could be like an all around wing who affects the game in, in several different ways and was a productive college player. Right. He's projected like early 30s, late 30s. Right. So he might not even be a guy who you get at like 27. But if you're selecting him like with one of those second round picks, is if he's on one of those two way contracts, I think that's a very productive pick for you. Right. I also really like. Uh, James Najee from Barcelona, you know, the ACB is, in my opinion, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I think the ACB, the Spanish league is the second best league in the world, right? Like that's, that's a league that produced Luca. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's an incredibly impressive league and it's very hard for guys to get minutes there. And, you know, for being honest, Najee didn't really get minutes there, right? He was, I guess the the development curve in Europe is a little bit different than, you know, in the United States in, in college where, you know, it's a professional league with teams trying to win. So any player that gets minutes in a league like that is an achievement in itself. But he showed some some pretty nice like on ball defense, shot blocking, pretty much your your stereotypical late round big man. But I mean, you know, seven, seven wingspan, six, ten, he's going to fill out his frame going to be a good rebounder when you're looking at guys who are going to come in and fill a role like the backup center is probably the easiest role to fill in the NBA just because there's so many guys that can do it but when you look at a guy like him I think that there is some some starter upside because there is a little bit of the unknown there and it's a pick that could come back to to burn you because I mean it's a low floor he he played like 10 minutes a game when he was on the floor for for Barcelona but I think the defense is really good there's flashes. And again, with the with the European thing, like I said, like he's a guy who you could keep overseas, stash it. I think Hornets fans need a player where you can irrationally hope that he'll come over one day and, uh, you know, contribute. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, hit us with the one that you do not want the Charlotte Hornets to draft there in that range, you know, 27 to, you know, 39 that they'll be in. Look, I I I just graduated from the University of South Carolina, right? I think that Gigi Jackson is an unreal talent. I think that he, you know, he needs to go to the right place to succeed. He needs to go to a place like the Heat, like the Spurs, like a team with like actual infrastructure that 
has veterans that will put him in a place to succeed. I think if you like, like I'll, I'll say this, the maturity stuff with, with Gigi is extremely real, right? Like he's, he's a player who like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like he went on Instagram live and called out the coach because he, he didn't think he was getting enough shots. He did. Right. And if you're a team like Charlotte, who let's face it, there's some locker room concerns, right? Like there, there's not too many veterans in that locker room. And you're talking about adding like even more rookies here. I think that it would be a mistake to, to take a guy like Gigi Jackson. And I hope that he's successful as, as somebody that, you know, goes to the same school as he did. I think that for him to be successful, I think that he needs to go to a team that's that has an established culture that's going to be able to take him in and let him learn. Whereas with the Hornets, you have so many guys like that already. Yeah, I'm I, I'm a little interested knowing that you went there that you do not want a Gigi Jackson in Charlotte, but it makes complete sense. And I am with you because w- when it comes to Gigi. Those concerns are real. Like you have a lot of young guys who, you know, we were talking pre-show who, you know, maybe thought that they were just going to come into the league and get minutes immediately and not really have to earn them and just kind of came in thinking, yeah, like I'm a, you know, I'm a lottery pick and I was one of the best players in college basketball and here we are and now I'm on a team that hasn't been to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to get – I'm going to get playing time, and that's not how it works. And that's, think, yeah. that's definitely not how it works in Charlotte. I think I think it's important to kind of understand like the context of of that South Carolina basketball team because they were so bad last year. They were they were awful, and trust me, I watched them. <laughs> they were. I'll, I'll tell you what, actually, the best game that they played that I watched was against Alabama against Brandon was. Miller, yeah. right? And I, I think also South Brandon Carolina, Miller's best game. <laughs> South Carolina would have won that game by at least 25 if Brandon Miller wasn't playing. Yeah, I'll tell you that. But to get back into Gigi, like Gigi came in kind of thinking he could be the guy that he could put up shots. But South Carolina had a first year head coach in Lamont Paris. Right. And he's trying to establish like this culture of of what he wants to do with the program. And when you have a guy like Gigi, obviously you're not going to say no to a recruit like Gigi Jackson, especially when you're South Carolina, who doesn't get like these five stars. Like he was the number one recruit in the history of South Carolina basketball, right? I think number two is like PJ Dozier. Yeah. Which, (laughs) I mean, PJ Dozier is like out of the NBA right now. If, If he is in the NBA, it's not on a guaranteed deal. So if you contextualize it, and then you look at kind of how Gigi responded throughout the season. And I'll say that he got much better as the season went along, right? He's extremely talented. I think he's going to be able to be a big man who can hit threes, who's extremely skilled, but he's not a player, you know, that I'm taking with the, you know, with the 27th pick or the 34th pick from the Hornets, because I am concerned about those issues. Yeah, I just really don't want the Hornets taking Gigi Jackson. He's talented, like you said, and, uh, you know, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, the South Carolina basketball program like you, uh, and I didn't pay attention to it nearly as, as you know, closely as, you know, I know you did. But although he's talented, and I mean, I mean, if he fell to 27, I mean, it'd be hard to just say, no, don't take him. 
but then I, I too agree that that probably is not the best situation for him, just as far as the locker room, as you stated with the bets uh, or the lack thereof in Charlotte and just adding another, you know, rookie, another young player into the fold who, you know, is going to expect, you know, X amount of shots and X amount of minutes, or, you know, it's just, it's, it doesn't sound like the best recipe. So I, I completely get what you're saying. And it's, yeah, I think just one final point on this. I think that, you know, coming, you know, as a as a South Carolina fan in general, I just want to see him go to a place where he's going to be successful, not necessarily where, you know, I, I would want him to be right. Like, I think like if he went to Miami, I think like that would be so good for him, for his development. But, you know, when, when you talk about adding him to the Hornets team, I think, you know, like you said, it's just a little bit, you know, too many question marks on the roster for me. Yeah. Dylan, man, I have thoroughly enjoyed having you on this episode. And now I know that you are working on tons of things. Let everybody know what you got coming out very soon because we were talking about it pre-show. I'm excited about that one myself. But let everybody know what projects you got coming on uh, releases, where they can find you, all of the above. Yeah, I host the DJ.mp3 podcast, which, you know, just talk about sports, anything that's on my mind. My Twitter is at DJ.png, and I am also the creator of the DJMP4 YouTube channel, where I will be releasing a nice long video about Cam Newton, his career with the Carolina Panthers, uh, and, and really how he got to being an MVP and what has happened since then. So excited about that one, doing all sorts of work. But yeah. Man, I appreciate it so much. I'm looking forward to that Cam one. He might be my favorite athlete of all time, right? Um, just, it's tough. He's he's up there. He's, he's definitely up there. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. Always enjoy the things that, you know, that you're working on, that you produce. Always love reading what you uh, have to say about the Hornets. That's why I had to get you on. But um, everybody, be sure to rate, subscribe, review. You know what to do. I don't have to tell you all these things anymore. You know what to do. But until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.